again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Do we ever share and discuss the best of video game music? (laughs) That's what we do, folks. Hearing this enchanting music uh, to set the tone for today's episode has really got me quite excited. It's almost unfair. Yeah. Today, we're going to do the third orchestral spotlight in a row. So a few (laughs) weeks ago, we did a spotlight on the Albert Odyssey series, which featured some orchestral music, albeit, you know, Super Nintendo, but... You know, there was some real stuff, too. And then last week we did the wonderful and the brand new exciting Gravity Rush 2 spotlight. And today we're going to focus on uh, a soundtrack that is, in some regards, fairly controversial in the world of game music. The reason for today's episode is at the time that you may be listening to this, uh, there's a brand new Zelda game that has just been released, The Legend of Zelda. On the brand new Nintendo system, yeah. Breath of the Wild, yeah, on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, We're also excited to get our hands on it and play this new Zelda title, and I know a lot of us are really curious as to what the music for that entry would be like. To celebrate this uh, momentous occasion, we thought we'd focus on the most recent console iteration of a Zelda game uh and so today we're going to be focusing on the soundtrack to the legend of zelda skyward sword will isn't it crazy that it's been six years since skyward sword in many ways it is because i i remember uh bringing this home from the store and just couldn't wait to play it i remember this feeling brand new but then when i remember Mm -hmm. uh the context of my life at that time it it really does feel like quite a while ago so this game was released for the wii and the composers that we have that worked on this game the lead composer was Hajime Wakai. He was joined by Shiho Fuji, Mahito Yokota, and Mahito Yokota, as well as composing, was pretty much solely responsible for the orchestration. So all the choices, choices in orchestration were handled by Mahito Yokota, Takeshi Hama, and then Koji Kondo served as the supervisor. And he did compose uh, one piece, and... Of mm-hmm. course, in Legend of Zelda tradition, a lot of his themes that he'd written for earlier titles are going to crop up all over the place in this soundtrack. Yes. Uh, something that I'm I'm really uh, excited to dig into this today. I know that amongst Zelda fans and fans of video game music... It's a mixed... This- yeah, this soundtrack score, yeah. is is sometimes uh, not celebrated for being one of the strongest in the series. Uh, I I think like any great uh, video game soundtrack, you could say that it has positives and negatives. One of the positives mm-hmm. being that there's um, some wonderful orchestral playing. The downside to that, uh, in the eyes of many, is that there's maybe not enough of that type of music, and we are treated to a lot of like general. And then MIDI. you can really tell. Yeah, you can really tell the. Tr- tracks that aren't fully orchestral they stand out in, in maybe a negative way I, another uh thing that I've, I've heard as uh criticism of this soundtrack is just compositionally that um somehow maybe it's a it's a step down from what we got in twilight princess i've even heard people some people say that just in terms of the game itself mm-hmm. i will say though if we if we um step back a little bit and focus on what makes skyward sword unique particularly having a few years of distance from it yeah that's uh, true. i think there is so much delightful music here there's a lot to love here absolutely yeah hopefully in the context of today's episode for those of you that are familiar with the game you might rediscover some things 
things that you maybe didn't notice the first time. And for those of you that are less familiar, uh, it really should be a real treat. And like Carl mentioned, uh, it definitely will carry the tradition of the last few weeks of the show on highlighting on some just beautiful symphonic music. Absolutely. And, and well, you make a really good point as far as having some hindsight, taking some years to, to kind of step back. And I think a lot of people will agree that there's a lot to love in this game and in the soundtrack. We're going to dive into it. What you guys heard playing in was the file select. And that was a beautiful new arrangement for Skyward Sword. Once again, released for the Wii. And that uses the uh, fair, the iconic fairy fountain theme composed mm-hmm. by Koji Kondo originally in The Link to the Past. This is the first time in the Zelda series where a full orchestra was used, not for the entire soundtrack, but for, you know, a decent amount of the soundtrack. And uh, we're going to now move on to the piece of music that Will alluded to, the only piece of music that was composed by Koji Kondo. This is the music of the prologue, which is describing kind of the origins and the story of the game. This is composed by Koji Kondo. Let's take a listen to the prologue, Legend of the Goddess from Skyward Sword. You guys are listening to the prologue, Legend of the Goddess, from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which came out in 2011 for the Wii. And this was the only piece of music that was actually composed by veteran series composer Koji Kondo. And what's so striking about this is at this point in the game, you know, you're firing it up. It's so clear to the listener that they're not in for kind of their normal by-the-book Zelda experience that maybe they were expecting or that, you know, they're used to. This is going to be a different style and it's very clear uh, with the music here. It does not feel like anything we've heard, not just in Zelda, but almost in video games, period. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you make an interesting point. Koji Kondo really um, almost delivers the promise of what you can expect with a serious orchestral soundtrack. So much of what I love about this piece, though, is that it feels like it's still utilizing a harmonic language that's distinct to him. You mm-hmm. can almost trace the origins of a piece like this in the DNA 
of music from Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, particularly his use of these open fifth harmonies moving at these chromatic intervals. That, if you think about something like uh, the Hyrule Castle theme, say from Link to the Past, bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. It's that same type of harmonic movement, the idea of establishing a solid rhythm. Now, this piece, particularly the way it's orchestrated and arranged, feels much more epic. And I remember the first time listening to this, it got me really excited about the idea of a Koji Kondo film soundtrack. Yeah. You know, there's one thing I'd like to do since we kind of faded down and we're talking over it. Let's take a listen one more time to the last 30 seconds of this piece, which is a very beautiful, classic Koji Kondo. Zelda melody on what it sounds like to be flutes or ocarinas harmonized. Let's take a listen. Gosh, that is so gorgeous! It again, it's amazing. It 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 ties together to the lineage of the original series. But I think one of the great things about having Koji Kondo, it almost seems like he would be the only composer daring enough to really take the music the in rules, this yeah. direction. I think a lot of other composers would feel like, okay, this is Zelda. I need to exist within that world of Koji Kondo. But for him, you know, he really takes the music serious. And I, I think he mm-hmm. knew that there's this opportunity to have an orchestral score and it's almost setting the tone for uh, what we may come to expect. There's one moment in um, this piece that I, I want to point out. First of all, Carl mentioned that melody at the end with the pan flutes is absolutely gorgeous it ties together the yeah the sort of celtic um flavor that is sometimes associated with this series um and the the melody itself is very evocative Uh, but there's a particular thing that happens in that opening vamp you could say Mm -hmm. when you have the there's a trumpet line that plays which isn't in the same key it isn't in the same key. This piece introduces a concept called polytonality, which is uh, it's an advanced musical concept that I believe was created by a French composer originally, but it's mm-hmm. associated with a lot of 20th century music, and it's the idea of a piece of music with uh, two or more keys, different keys happening simultaneously. And in that moment, the trumpet is playing in one key while the strings are playing in another. And as you might expect, the effect is one of very kind of jarring to the listener and something that feels kind of, it really, what it does is it feels atonal. Uh, Yeah, to some extent, but instead of feeling random, is some atonal music almost as constructed to be as chromatic as possible possible right here there each individual idea works on its own but when they're True. juxtaposed uh it it stretches the bounds of your ear again i just mm-hmm. wanted to point that out because that's a very advanced technique and i don't think koji kondo gets enough credit for uh his quote-unquote serious music chops and also how ballsy of a choice he's writing one piece of music and that's the piece he goes for it's not what right. anyone would have expected so let's keep going because we have so much great music to get to uh, we're going to keep the goddess theme going. We just l- heard the legend of the goddess. Now we're going to hear Ballad of the Goddess, another early piece of music in Skyward Sword. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
you guys are listening to Ballad of the Goddess from Skyward Sword. It already feels like a classic. You know, you have some years away from it, and man, this feels like a classic Zelda theme. The main theme of Skyward Sword, and some of you probably know this, but if you actually dissect this melody, it has a very interesting story of where this, where the notes of this melody actually come from. Will, do you want to shine some light for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with this? Yes, it's actually the melody of uh, Zelda's lullaby, or you consider uh, Zelda's theme, mm-hmm. um, played in reverse. And th- that's an interesting idea because I literally mean like uh, the recording exactly in reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's it's such a cool idea in. A piece of music like this that almost feels like you know symphonic and classical oftentimes in classical music we have lots of contortions with a melody you may invert it so if a line goes up it goes down but that idea of playing something in reverse almost uh i associate to like the recording age you think about it with like the beatles playing sounds and things in reverse to get like a different uh, effect but it was a really clever way i don't know whose idea um it was but it was one of these composers i think hajime wakai i believe yeah, had the idea of taking an existing Zelda melody and by playing it in reverse, it was one way of recontextualizing it. And um, it's really only for that A section, the bum, 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 bum. Yeah, the next section's original. Yeah, but what's so amazing about it uh, is that it, <laughs> Kochi Kondo is so brilliant at constructing melodies that even in reverse, they feel satisfying. Part of it That's has to crazy. do with the way it's been reharmonized in this very heroic setting you might be able to find a video on youtube where the ballad of the goddess is played in reverse and you can actually hear that zelda's lullaby theme sure but it sounds very different because of course it has these uh harmonies these very heroic and rousing chord tones that which is why it was a brilliant idea because the context is so different and the presentation is so different Mm -hmm. so that even if someone knew that, like we know that, and it's still almost hard for us to believe that. It's almost like I can't really believe that. It's so tastefully done to the point that I I would really say this piece has its own identity it really is one mm-hmm. of the the classic zelda themes because of how it was arranged and that b section that is so lyrical and beautiful it really earns its keep it's an amazing piece of music i'm pretty sure this was a wakai composition and with some time away from it it's so clear that this is just a classic zelda theme that's just as good as almost any of them this is just absolutely iconic and i love that it has again like we mentioned with the prologue it has the koji kondo dna it does it, which is so essential to the the Zelda sound, I think. All right, well, now we're going to move on to one of my favorite pieces of music. Now, one thing I'll say is that when you listen to a track like this, so gorgeous, so melodic, really taking advantage of the orchestra, it feels like it is promising something that is not quite delivered in the entirety of the score. Sure. Which is a little unfortunate, but... Well, the very opening of this game is quite cinematic, mm-hmm. and there it does feel, in some ex- in some instances, a bit front-loaded in terms of the opening cinematics. Agree. Really communicate that you're on this epic, you know, modern video game adventure. But that being said, it's, it's just a great track. Let's take a listen to the entirety of Skyloft Introduction.
so gorgeous again hearkening back to that main theme that we heard ballad of the goddess this time sung with a vocalist and then brought back with the orchestra with a different harmony it's it's just so gorgeous i will say that if they would have gone in this direction and maybe had maybe a bigger budget in order to record a whole score uh with this you know particular sense of energy and passion and heart uh this would have gone down is one of the best zelda scores yeah, uh, a bit of context that female vocalist you're hearing is actually the character of Princess Zelda in mm-hmm. the story. So this cue has an interesting way of going from underscore and actually transitioning to uh, music that you're meant to hear in the world. And Zelda's right. accompanying herself uh, on her harp. It's a it's such a beautiful moment. To mm-hmm. me, a lot of the way this is scored is reminiscent of uh, certain anime composers and the way that a lot of uh, anime shows are scored along with uh, Japanese film music it really seems that this was Nintendo's attempt to make uh, a very cinematic experience all in all I feel like Twilight Princess ends up feeling more cinematic just because of the nature of the writing and the visuals and everything and you could even argue uh, the weight of some of those themes I would argue Um, that yeah but in terms of this introduction it definitely felt like uh, something I'd never seen before in a Zelda game. And I love so much of the melodic uh, material that uh, happens in this opening, particularly that over that very Kondo-esque pastoral uh, chord progression. Again, feeling linked to the lineage of Zelda. Well, now we're going to move on to one of the biggest themes in the game. And this is one of the instances where we do have confirmation from an interview as far as composer breakdown. So we know that this piece of music was composed by Shiho Fuji. This is Skyloft. Let's take a listen to this and then we'll talk about it. Enjoy.
very relaxing, beautiful, restrained piece of background music here. This is Skyloft from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. And this track was composed by Shiho Fuji. I think number two in line of lead composers. Hajime Wakai was definitely the, the number one lead, probably composed most of the music. Shiho Fuji, I think number two. Uh, this is really beautiful. It's so different than, uh, you know, what we typically get for Zelda. Not the overall emotion. It's very comforting and relaxing and humble. But the sense of melody is so much sparser, and it's really not about the melody. This piece is about setting the mood through the entire arrangement, through, you know, the instrument choices, the combination of those soft and hard textures. Um, and it's just more of like a vague approximation of this emotion, especially when you compare this to, you know, the corresponding piece of music in uh, Twilight Princess, you know, <laughs> that first village theme. Just think about the difference in composition. I do love uh, Shiho Fuji. I, I think she really is an outstanding composer and uh, particularly the underwater theme that she composed for uh, the Wii version of New Super Mario Brothers yeah. uh, is quite fantastic. I, I think she's done some amazing work this is a great, in the past. It's, it's a and great this, theme. This is a great great theme it, it is a wonderful tune i think comparing it to that ordon village is quite difficult but it's something that we all did naturally but it's that hard ordon village theme may be one of the greatest zelda melodies and i'm still convinced that's koji well, here's, kondo can i just say one thing the reason why i compare it is because we are now in 2011 when when we heard this getting a real orchestra so we're like okay i want the music to be as emotional as it was before and it wasn't quite and this is yeah. maybe an example where i think the use of accordion was an interesting choice i think they were trying to characterize this uh, hometown of skyloft it's essentially a city in the sky you know what it's it's just the way that things worked out with timing and technology and budget I wish Twilight Princess would have gotten the orchestral treatment because that music deserved it more. Yeah, I think you could say that. I, I think also they were trying to do some clever problem solving. Uh, I think there's some prominent, uh, you could say, MIDI elements in this piece, particularly the flutes and the mandolins and the majority of uh, what's happening underneath. Um, is fake. It's virtual instruments. But you do have real accordion. You do have some real uh, trombone and some real um, flute sounds in there that more kind of folk or Celtic sounding flute. Uh, so th there are um, more elements than in some previous Zelda scores of real performance. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think for what we were expecting with the context of this being an orchestral Zelda score and also just the way that uh, this whole game started sure. with that epic promise, I remember the first time hearing the theme to Skyloft almost feeling a bit disappointed. But again, with some time coming back to it, it's I much do better, think it has yeah. a really nice melodic character and it, it does feel more like a, a pastiche to Koji Kondo than mm -hmm. it felt the first First time I heard it, I, I do think Shio Fuji was was trying to go for almost like a Kakariko Village kind of a sound. It's definitely a great track. Uh, we're going to now move on to Romance. Now, uh, before we play this, I'm going to ask Will for a little bit of context. Musically, what you guys might hear and what I kind of hear in this track, which is quite surprising for a Zelda video game music, is it really feels much more like non-video game music, either like classical or really film music. Like I feel like this could fit at home in like a 90s family movie or something. This is a very much uh, in a film music style. I would agree with that. Will, do you want to give a teensy bit of context as, into why this piece plays in, in, in the game? Well, uh, what's interesting is in a lot of games, there there is 
in a lot of these Zelda titles, there's almost an implied romantic connection between Link and Zelda. Uh, but what's interesting in this game, it's probably the most overt instance of it because it, it's right at the beginning. Um, the One of the strengths, I think, in terms of Skyward Sword narratively is it really makes you care about the character of Zelda right. before you have to go rescue her because there's a lot of interaction between you being Link and her towards the front end of the game. And in terms of personality, this is one of my favorite uh, Zeldas. Um, and yeah, the, this this track is meant to underscore their innocent, sweet, romantic relationship. Let's take a listen to Romance from Skyward Sword. There you have it. That is Romance from Skyward Sword. I have a feeling it was composed by Hajime Wakai. So what's cool about this track is there are elements of it that feel classic Zelda. Uh, there's a particular melody that uh, Will was singing along with, which uh, he kind of thinks feels like Wind Waker. It's what we're hearing actually yep. right now. That swashbuckling melody. It has this jig quality. But after that, it goes into this really emotional and delicate section yeah. that is just yeah, film da, score. Da, 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 it's, it's not yeah, video game music. Yeah. It's just nothing like we've heard in uh, the Zelda series. You know, the paint the paintbrush that is used is just completely different. It's just a totally different genre. So I think putting those two together was definitely an interesting choice. I think it works. Yeah, I do think there is some borrowing from uh, Japanese film music traditions for sure, but I think it goes with the Legend of Zelda sound. I mean, the, the harmonic language here is not too outside of what we would come to expect from a Zelda theme. I think a big part of it has to do with the nature of the orchestration and the arrangement. It I would is agree. something that we never really heard before. Even though you could say you've imagined Zelda music as having an orchestral sound all along. I want to talk about, though... Uh, some of the points of this melody, particularly that first theme we hear. I mean, I picture, you know, sailing on the open sea. Me too. If you just examine that melody alone, it really does remind me of Wind Waker. It has this jig quality. Um, it's in this uh, triple meter. It, it, it's so fantastic. Uh, I love I love that melody. And then that more romantic section. Very beautiful. Um, but again, there's an innocence to all of it. There's a lightness to it. Especially, to me, the, the thing musically that evokes innocence more than anything is that... 
those rhythms really feel like child, like just children, like playing or something. The last thing I'll mention is there's a nice little ornamental color that happens on a five chord in that uh, B section. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that you hear actually in a lot of music, and it's a nice way of getting out of a suspension. What I'm talking about here, it's voiced in the oboes, but yeah-da-da-da. Uh, but... What what happens is in a lot of music when you get to a moment of what we would call a cadence, which is uh, the end of a phrase, either when we resolve to five or resolve to one, um, sometimes it's suspended, so we don't actually hear the third of the chord. And oftentimes you'll hear ba ba to imply that resolution. Um, but sometimes you hear that particular figure. It, it's quite common and it happens all over the place in music. Yeah. yeah da, da, da. And I I I don't know I particularly enjoy that gesture in this piece it it helps feel within the tradition of something very romantic in a literal sense yes it is a quite masterful technique okay now we're going to move on to a track that feels like it's borrowed this is from, one of my favorites yeah from the previous series it reminds me of something that would be in wind waker something mm-hmm. that would be in phantom hourglass i feel like the groove of it kind of does come from previous zelda music but they're making it their own here let's take a listen to meet Groose. You guys are listening to Meet Groose from Skyward Sword. Even if you know nothing about the game, it's so clear what kind of character this is. Definitely an adversarial rival with a sense of humor. There's just this kind of like taunting quality. The music here is almost taunting the listener. Right. And that's definitely what this character is doing as well. What's cool is later on in the playlist, we are going to play a very different arrangement of this theme. And there's a lot of funny arrangements of this Groose melody throughout the score. So we're going to play at least one of those later. But uh, yeah. Groose as a character is kind of like the Biff Tannen of this game. Sure. He's a bully and he's kind of dopey and lug-headed and this is perfect humorous music because I think mm-hmm. it perfectly captures his personality. The the That melody that's featured in the trombones I think is so fantastic. And It's great this, to have real trombone. Yeah. The, the, to talk a little bit about some of the theory of this piece, the chord progression is essentially moving back between two harmonies. Uh, a major chord and another major chord a um, half step lower so it's this chord oscillating back and forth right and there's a neat thing that happens in the melody something that we would call in classical music a cross relation mm-hmm. and what happens is this piece 
is in, I guess you could say C and it goes between C and B, C major, B major. Sure. And when the chord lands on B major, we actually hear a B flat in the melody. And so a cross relation is when you have the same letter name, but spelled in two different ways. So like C and C sharp occurring at the same time. In this case, it's B and B flat. And because it's happening in the trombones uh, at that point in time, that's the lowest pitch we're hearing is that B flat. So it, it has this great effect because it recontextualizes contextualizes the harmony i think that moment of almost awkward dissonance it's taunting really meant to capture yeah. yeah the character of Groose. it is taunting because he is this bully it's almost like nah, 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 nah. one thing i'd like to mention is the way that this character not only is 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 written in the game but also the way that it is scored is in a very zelda way it's it's very innocent and fun it's not the mm-hmm. way you know like it's not actually biff tannen it's a much more like PG version of a character like that. And that's what we're hearing here. The theme that, uh, why Carl said this almost reminds him of something in Wind Waker. There's music that's associated with one of the pirate characters in exactly. Wind Waker. That is, is, it's constructed a similar way. Uh, basically the same type of chords and it starts with this groove. Um, same bum, groove. Bum, yeah. I think this piece comes out of the DNA. Funny enough though, I'm I'm fairly sure that uh, this was a piece written by the composer Takeda Keshihama, okay. who did not work, in fact, on Wind Waker. So this may be another instance of uh, looking to a previous score for inspiration. What I, I think is interesting that. is it's not looking to a Koji Kondo score for inspiration, but it is looking um, within the series. Uh, I That's one of my favorite themes in the game. We're going to now move on to, personally, one of my absolute favorite pieces of music from Skyward Sword. I think this is beyond gorgeous here. This is Crimson Loftwing from Skyward Sword. that beautiful you guys are listening to crimson loftwing from skyward sword so awesome what's interesting is this is really a small ensemble piece of music it features soloists and there's some slight strings happening but uh i'm pretty sure those are actually sequenced strings right. so really Except what this track solo violin is all uh, is about real. is the solo instrumentalist so because right. of that you know you're stripping it down you're making it more intimate the piece has a very intimate feel, and it, it's very personal. And I think that was actually right. a brilliant choice. And really what it is, is it's killing two birds with one stone. It's much right. cheaper <laughs> to record this kind sure. of a track. And it ends up actually working, I think, better than alternative. It's so much more colorful, though, because you get this duet between flute and trombone for so mm-hmm. much of it. And then just a taste of that solo violin. Absolutely gorgeous. One of There's a beautiful um, palette here, 
harmonically. This going between the one and uh, actually what would be a half diminished chord built on the second scale degree. Yes. It's funny, that is a chord progression it's that we Williams. talked about last week on Underscore, our yeah. Marty and my film music podcast when talking about Marion's theme. Sure. Oh, again, it's that. another way of indulging in a more filmic uh, palette. I think it's part of their way of trying to make this score feel like Zelda, but just a bit more cinematic and having some flavor from that. And I think that's what really this series has always been about. It's like an interactive movie. It's always, I think, been trying to aim for um, having that high sense of uh, cinema, you could say. We're now going to move on to a really beautiful piece of music. I have a faint memory of us playing this at some point on the podcast. I don't know if, Will, if you brought it in on a show and tell. This is called Zelda's Missing. Oh, it's and fantastic. It's, it's very classical, probably the most tragic and eerie piece of music in the game. It's so beautiful. Let's take a listen to Zelda's Missing. You guys are listening to Zelda's Missing from Skyward Sword. <sighs> Definitely one of the saddest points musically in, in the game. And now this is kind of getting back to what I was talking about earlier, where this piece of music, do I ever wish that they would have kind of explored this more in the score because it's such a standout? And I kind of wish that there would be more of this kind of emotional uh, you know, territory explored in Skyward Sword. It reminds me, it really does remind me of the music of Twilight Princess as far as how emotional it is. Sure. Um, and I just wish there's more of it. Yeah, there's so many great things to talk about here. Uh, one of my favorite things about the score, and it's also true in Twilight Princess, is the use of character themes in a style of, you could say, like leitmotif, almost like film music. And this is a piece where it's using two different themes at once. It's hearkening a little bit to that Ballad of the Goddess theme, mm -hmm. but primarily to um, like the second half of the, of a melody we haven't heard yet for the character of Fee. Sure. Um, -da 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 -da, ba -ba -da -da. It, it's, it's hinting at some of those themes. Harmonically, mm -hmm. it, it does something great that I think is perfect for the emotions. It's oscillating between a minor chord in a major chord built on the same scale degree so it has this feeling of sadness but also hope in that oscillation between the two is almost this ambiguity because at this point link hasn't set out on his mission to rescue zelda this actually happens when you're speaking to her father mm. who's uh the 
he's sort of like the dean of this knight academy um that link trains with he, he well be hey like the principal uh, what a nice segue we're now gonna play the knight academy theme and this is just vintage zelda music let's take a listen Now this is classic Zelda music right here. It's so comfortable, so familiar. If you're playing a Zelda game and this pops up, you might not even notice it because it feels <laughs> so comfortable in sure. the musical world of Zelda. Yeah, the Knight Academy theme. Yeah, um, I think a huge part of what Carl's talking about, it, we have to talk about that chord progression. Let's do and it. that rhythm, the boom, 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 boom. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, uh, that first of all, the combination of that rhythm with that chord progression, we're essentially moving from a one chord in major uh, to a flat seven to a flat seven, which almost implies the mode of uh, mixolydian. However, we get enough other borrowed chords that it, it's this interesting Zelda palette. Uh, uh, another theme from, just so you don't have to take our word for it, an example of uh, just one other theme in this series that uses a, basically a very similar chord progression. If you think of the music for the Kokiri Forest, the Kokiri Village, the same type of chord progression and even the instrument that's played on the B section and where some of those chords go are very similar. I think another uh, way that this composer, who I believe was Takeshi Hama, found a way into this Zelda language was with that ornamental rhythm. In that crops up at a few places in this melody, particularly in the B section. It's a it almost is quasi improvisatory and it sounds very sure. Celtic and uh, it, it, idiomatic to it's on the nose. music. Um, but yeah, complete Zelda arrangement here. All right, let's move on to one of the most emotional themes in the game. This is Fee's theme from Skyward Sword. listening to Fee's theme from the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. 
very important character, very important theme. We are, without giving too much away, we are not going to totally go away from this particular theme. We will revisit this later on in the episode. Uh, one of the most unique, uh, I would say, themes as far as the fact that we're in the Zelda series. This feels like film score again. Feels like something you'd hear like in the 90s or the 2000s um, in, in a film, like maybe like some sort of like, for some reason I could hear this in like Shanghai Noon or something. You know, it's like some sort of quasi-Asian Well, sound. yeah, to me, this theme is very Thomas Newman-y. Uh, he's the composer for movies like American Beauty and like Finding Nemo, sure. Wally. Uh, so much of Thomas Newman's sound has almost this uh, Celtic feeling to it and that's really communicated in this theme there's a lot of open fifth and fourth harmonies in the way they move it's like a combination kind of, of celtic and also like asiatic as well yeah i think that's a very a good way of putting it what i love um about this melody in terms of it being a character theme because this is fee's theme and fee is the character that to a lot of people is kind of what they hate in zelda games <laughs> basically an annoying character who's just there to nag you and oh, tell yeah. you what to do i think most people really loved midna but a lot of people didn't really like fee because she's kind of this robot you know in a sense uh she's a zelda equivalent of a robot but just what i love about this music here this melody almost communicates something mechanical yeah those faster rhythms almost imply like these machinations like i just i like it because it does feel um almost prophetic and ancient and like an old piece of folk music but some of the rhythms and the contours do i think characterize um fee's robotic right. nature you could say so as we as we are noticing as we're going through the score not a whole ton of tracks that are fully orchestral <laughs> right. even though that was what was built that was what was promised to us this is an example of a track that is and it's quite amazing this is exploring the skies the overworld theme from skyward sword let's take a listen piece of music you guys are listening to the overworld this is exploring the skies from sky word sword and uh that very lyrical uh, kind of 
beautiful section when everything kind of comes down. That reminds me of the romance theme from Superman by John Williams, and makes sense because that's also when they're flying in the sky. So, you know, this definitely evokes the sky, the majesty of yeah, sure. soaring through the sky. I think it's really effective. I particularly enjoy the orchestration um, and really just the big kind of triumphant sound that we get from this orchestra here. Uh, I think as far as the melody goes, I know that Will and myself, we're not the biggest fan of this melody in and of itself, but I think the overall result is, is quite good. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with the melody. It's just not up to the level of the classic Zelda theme. True. It definitely feels of a different tradition, and this is a piece that is more about the orchestral texture. That goes back to the point I was saying earlier, where there are pros and cons with using a real orchestra. I yeah. think a lot of the music in this series in the past, it, it was never relying on performance or texture or sound. It was really about those themes and them being memorable and effective. And True I think that. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, having an orchestra is definitely what you want to have because infinitely more expressive and uh, there's so much more you can do but I, there is um, this flip side to it which is that you can create pieces that are incredibly effective that don't necessarily utilize yeah. uh, much of a, a theme. Now this piece is still melodic uh, It is. Now you, in that being said it could have gone so much farther with the release of this game as far as how they were just banking on the sound of an orchestra sure. and not writing great melodies. So they did, they did write great melodies and it could have been so much worse. One thing I think is interesting is that it's, it's, it almost feels like the 2011 was the Stone Ages. Like now in 2017 with this new Zelda game, we know it's going to sound technically really good, really polished. We know that there's probably going to be some sequencing. There's going to be some real stuff. But the mm -hmm. line every single year gets, as far as technology stuff goes, the line just gets blurred where I doubt we're going to really be able to tell what stuff is sequenced, what stuff is. And I think it's right. going to feel much more realistic. Well, yeah. And uh, again, I, I haven't listened to the new score and I haven't played the game, but like I said, there there are potential pitfalls um, to all those styles. So I think we could, it's very possible that even though we may get all of those things you mentioned, we may actually start to have a little bit of nostalgia and fondness for a score like Skyward Sword that in its essence is very traditional to the Zelda style. It's very tuneful. Every location you go has a new melody and mm -hmm. a new theme where in what a lot of the footage I've seen of Breath of the Wild, there's moments of no or very yes. little music. It's going to be very different. It's very uh, accompanimental. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about well, it. Well, we should we should wait and see what that's going to be like. I'm really excited to move on to this track. This is Story Unfolding, and this really floored me. I actually hadn't been familiar with this particular arrangement. It's a very beautiful, again, fully orchestral piece of music, and it has this gorgeous reiteration of the main theme of Skyward Sword just on a harp, and everything cuts away to this harp, and it just, I don't know, almost brought me to tears. I think it's a gorgeous piece of music called Story Unfolding.
listening to story unfolding, one of the lovely things about this game is that um, in a lot of Zelda games, uh, there's an instrument that Link plays. Obviously, in Ocarina of Time, he plays an ocarina. Um, in Wind Waker, he has that conductor's baton. But in this game, it's the harp. And uh, that instrument really allows for, in the score, some nice moments of a solo harp feature, which yeah. isn't something we get in uh, every game soundtrack. And It's I think a treat. It, it's very well suited to this series and its music. And what I think happens when you listen to this piece of music and you hear the solo harp playing this main theme, it just really makes me realize that despite all the weaknesses of this score, despite the mixed, you know, mixed, you know, views that people have on it, it still brings it. It still brings the emotional, beautiful music. When you get to that solo heart playing that melody, it's just, it's Zelda and it feels so good. And it's why we love this series because there's really not a lot of other series, not just video games, just in entertainment in general, where we can have those emotional themes that just make us feel so many emotions. Well, I think one way of contextualizing it is that it's really a complement to the series as a whole for how hard people are on this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I think we have high standards for Zelda because it really has been so consistent. And yeah. you don't want to give something a free pass just because it has the name of that series on it. You know? and, and one reason I'm so happy that we're doing this episode is because we're being very honest and candid about some of the weaknesses the soundtrack has. But that's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Like, we're still saying that there are some amazing moments some amazing themes in the score but yeah when you compare it to what has come before it's probably weaker you know but part of that is impossible how do you live up can you really repeat twilight princess can you repeat ocarina of time i'm not sure you you necessarily or even could. wind weaker all right so now let's move on to another one of my favorites this is this this is actually a moment where i really embrace how new and modern this soundtrack is this feels like maybe the next generation of zelda music in a really cool way let's take a listen to sailing the sand sea This is amazing video game music. You guys listening to Sailing the Sand Sea. Uh, and I remember we played this in our sand, our desert and sand episode. And in case there's anyone who doesn't um, know the context of, of this in the game, Will, I'd like you to explain what's happening in this part of, in the game. I think this is an amazing track. So in this uh, sequence, I believe it's like the Lanaru Desert is what it's called. There are these... Um, orbs or these crystals that are all over the place that when you strike them with your sword 
it creates like this little bubble that that everything within the bubble is sent back like a hundred years into the past. Right. It's a cool gameplay mechanic because it contrasts the desert with you know these sprouting green colors and it, there's some Contrast, clever puzzles. Yeah. But this is a point in the game where you find this maroon ship stuck in just a dune sea, just open uh, sand. And then when you hit the crystal, you realize that. In the past, there used to be an ocean here. So you're actually sailing on this ship through an ocean, but only in this little bubble of what's in front of you. It's a really clever mechanic, and this is probably one of the highlights of this game for me. I just found that to be such a clever experience, and Mm -hmm. I think this music does a nice job of balancing the almost uh, Arabian influence that we associate with the desert to music that has somewhat of a rhythmic underpinning that we could associate with sailing on the sea. I think the reason why I like it so much is because it's not just going to those easy cliches. It's it's fairly Arabic as far as, you know, the use of that scale and, and some of those elements that we hear in sand based or desert based music but it's actually a lot more interesting and unique than you know it's not Mm -hmm. like when we think about like new super mario brothers and you're on a desert level and it's just this offensive (laughs) just gobbledygook it's it's not that and i i was so pleasantly surprised tell us what you really feel carl (laughs) yeah so offensive to everyone yeah i think a lot of the music in this location is super cool because um it changes when you go back in time it's the same melodic material and it's the same underlying Mm -hmm. music but the arrangement expands and becomes more colorful. Right. Uh, so we have more musical color in addition to you know visual contrast as well. It's a really effective scene, and I think it shows one aspect of game scoring that I absolutely love in terms mm-hmm. of interactivity, almost similar to that iMuse technology that we associate with old LucasArts games. Very true. I'm excited to move on to another instance of the Groose theme, and this couldn't be more different. I knew I wanted to include at least two, and if I had to include too, this is the one to include because it's so contrasting to the first presentation of the Groose theme. This is like, it's that melody but played with this like classic old school like lush Hollywood orchestra sound. Um, it's just it's just really beautiful, really funny, really cool. Let's take a listen to Groose on the Surface. You guys are listening to Groose on the Surface, and uh, I feel like I'm listening to Gershwin or something. This just feels like <laughs> old school, 20th century, that American sound. Well, it's that cross-relation that uh, has that yeah, bluesiness. Yeah, very bluesy. A lot of those dissonances happen all the time in the blues scale. I'm just such a big fan of the imagination that this took to take that Groose theme and then do this with it. Uh, this is amazing. 
it's perfect for the context of the game, and there's something that narratively feels very Zelda. I can't explain it, but you have this character who is introduced as kind of a bully. You don't really like him, and then he makes his way down to the surface. Uh, backstory of the game, you start off in Skyloft, this island in the sky, and you actually have to go below the surface. Essentially, the first time anyone's been to Hyrule in you know hundreds of years, supposed to legend, but later on in the game, Groose, that idiot character, makes his way down to the surface because, you know, right. he thinks he's going to rescue Zelda. And this music perfectly depicts his first exposure to that beautiful nature. So what I love mm -hmm. is it's indulging in this romance and almost impressionist beauty, but with that goofball theme. It's a, it's a great moment of humor, actually, because it's juxtaposing these two kinds of ideas and it's utilizing very sophisticated musical concepts in order to realize that yeah Groose ultimately ends up becoming somewhat of a buddy and that's the moment that feels like sort of a zelda narrative where enemies become friends and stuff like that well it's just also crazy that the overall result feels kind of familiar musically like it feels like we're listening to like porgy and bess or something it's just interesting right. how when those different emotions converge it's it's actually something that we've we've heard before and I, I don't know i just thought that was a really creative choice so all right now let's move on to the next track on our playlist and we always have to mention this there's a lot of great music that we that we couldn't get to not as much in this score as something like gravity rush 2 like there's i think most of the great music we're playing today um to be honest but uh this is a really cool track very relaxing let's take a listen to lake floria from skyward sword <laughs> You guys are listening to Lake Floria, which is very relaxing, very beautiful. I think this is a really smart use of the orchestral palette. Whether or not it's all real, there's some, I'm sure, sequence stuff happening here. Well, I think it sounds like um, Brahms. It's really trying to go for a classical sound. It's just, yeah, it, it's a very smart use of that palette. It, it does still fit at home in the Zelda universe. I think the reason for that is because there's this humble quality uh, to, to this music. It's, it's very simple and earnest, and I think that's why it fits at home in the Zelda series, even though really when you think about it, it's definitely a departure. I can't think of a previous track in the series that has this this vibe. Yeah, at first when you hear the 3-4 um, meter, uh, you almost think like, oh gosh, is this going to be like, you know, a Mario kind of waltz for underwater? Uh, but then you hear that opening melodic line and it really reminds me of, you know, the Nutcracker by Tchaikovsky. Yeah, da, 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 da. Similar sequence of notes, but it, yeah, it is indulging in um, a very classical uh, sound. You could say something like a ballet 
this is this game's equivalent of uh, Lake uh, Hylia, sure, um, which often has gorgeous music associated with it. This is a different type of area, and there's there, I, I forget their name, but there was a new type of creature uh, that existed here. This is a fun section of the game, I believe. Speaking of gorgeous music, we're now going to play a track that I also had never heard before, and I was very wowed by this. This is legitimate, beautiful classical music right here. You guys are listening to a track, uh, or you're about to, <laughs> called Going Through the Time Portal from Skyward Sword. Enjoy. so beautiful you guys are listening to going through the time portal from skyward sword and will brought to light something very creative that some people might miss actually is there's actually a hearkening to Gruza's theme but it's such a different context here that it feels like this beautiful romantic melody it doesn't feel snarky at all here it's definitely you know the harmonies are different um but Harmony is an amazing thing in music yeah. because it can completely recontextualize something. This is an and amazing for track. For a lot of people, they may not even uh, notice. I-, I do think it is a shame they weren't able to get the real string players on this one because I think that mm-hmm. would really add to the expression. Sequenced. But a very sophisticated composition. It feels very distinctly like 21st century kind of harmony. Um, borrowing from classical and popular music and just a lot of those suspensions. Yeah. Uh, it almost reminds me a little bit of like Eric Whitaker or something in places, but really it's gorgeous legitimate music. beautiful orchestral music that is for sure it kind of reminds me of something you'd hear in like the score to Forrest Gump hmm, you know like it has a really beautiful indulgent well you know what I would agree there's there's earlier piece of music that I like for example like that romance theme that feels like that could exist in like a 90s film score like Forrest Gump for sure. Um, and other ones too, you know, just very simple and, you know, humble for sure. All right. Now we're going to move on to a track that there was a shout out about this last week. Will alluded to the melody having a similarity to the ending of one of the Gravity Rush 2 tracks. This is the Girahim third battle phase one theme. Now, every single battle with Girahim features that melody that Will uh, sang last week. So let's take a listen. And he is uh, basically the principal villain of the, the game, or the, the very first uh, bad guy. Eventually, it ends up being this character called Demise, who's essentially mm-hmm. all of the energy of like pure evil. And it's implied <laughs> that he eventually becomes the lineage of Ganon, um, but we don't have to So get this into is that. his battle the third time, phase one. Here we go. Oh, 
That is a very intense Zelda boss theme right there. You guys listening to Girahim Third Battle Phase One. Definitely orchestrated by Mihiro Yokoda. Uh, I'm not sure who composed this piece of music, but uh, yeah, it's crazy when you have choir and orchestra. They definitely lend uh, a little bit more intensity, more epicness than something you could have on like the N64 samples channels. <laughs> so we've come a long way. Uh, it still feels tied to that Zelda, though. The use of hearing the organ actually in there almost seems right. like a nod to we remember the end of Ocarina of Time. Uh, Ganon's actually playing an organ when you ascend to the top of the sure. staircase and that uh, musical palette plays a part of it and the organ feels villainous a lot of times in mm-hmm. film and game music uh, isn't that a great melody it's great it's actually the second time today where it feels Williams-y to me it feels yeah. like something he would compose in the Star Wars universe I want to talk a little bit about the meter here because we almost hear it in like 12-8 but it has this mixed meter sound One two three. One two three. One two. One two. One. One two, one two, three, one two, three, one two, one two, one two, and there's this emphasis on the third beat and the nice little bit of syncopation with some of the low register stuff. You bump, 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 sure. But, but, but it's it's so wonderfully orchestrated. And the first time we're introduced to this theme is in less of a rhythmic way because it's just when we first see that character. But in all of these boss themes, I think they do a wonderful job of presenting uh, that incredible melody and doing something rhythmic that feels epic but it's not about a blazing fast tempo and it doesn't feel like it's utilizing a lot of cliches i think that's really important because i think some of the zelda music uh particularly when you think of link to the past and ocarina of time has always been some of the most innovative when it comes to boss themes i mean that's definitely true koji kondo using meters like five eight and seven eight and stuff back on the Super Nintendo. And that's why I like this particular theme is because it feels like it's it's kind of honoring the series. Completely. You know, the traditions, especially boss I mean, you stuff. think of something like Another thing that I like is that in this score, every time you fight him, you know, the first battle, the second battle, the third battle, they amp it up. They amp up the orchestration. They make it bigger. They make it lusher, more epic. And that definitely happens here. Well, guys, it's time. I think the latest point in a playlist we've ever ever had a track of the week we're going to move on to fees farewell so this is a theme that we've heard before in the fees theme but this is definitely the definitive uh, presentation of this i will probably agree that it's maybe the most emotional point in this whole score like you definitely feel a lot of feelings this is right to this. towards the end of the game so this is the you know the grandma moment the tears yeah. uh falling well, let's take a listen to this week's track of the week it's fees farewell
This is definitely a payoff. Uh, we're listening to Fee's Farewell, and so this is a theme that we've heard throughout the game, but this presentation, if this doesn't make you uh, emotional, then you, m- you might want to check your pulse. I mean, it's just so beautiful hearing this this piano and, and the way that it's uh, you know produced and performed. It's ethereal. It kind of feels digital. It's not mm-hmm. quite real sounding. But yeah. it's a, the bottom line is it's an instrument that we don't get that much in the score. So you know something special, something powerful is happening because it's not the sound we're used to hearing. So it's it's a very noticeable, uh, powerful moment. Yeah, to me, this is the definitive presentation of uh, Fee's theme because it really heightens the emotional caliber of it. And this was the point in the game when I realized how much I actually love that uh, melody and just how Mm. fantastic it's constructed and harmonized. In this presentation, especially feels like film music. It reminds me of Thomas Newman, something like Finding Nemo. Right. And, and speaking of, of film music, game music sometimes has the same mandate where really, if you're if you're really good at your job, you're making something more emotional than maybe it even deserves. Like you just said that Fee, a lot of people didn't like that character that much. But I'm, I'm sorry, listening to this, you're going to feel choked up, you know? Right. And part of that is just how beautiful this music is. Yeah. Again, what I love, it's harmonized in fifths in that first chord. Um, since it's just the one and five, it, it we don't necessarily know if it's major or minor. But then the next chord we go to also in fifths mm-hmm. would be on like the minor third scale degree. And then it sure. goes to like the four. So the melody um, it has this ambiguity to it. and But when we first hear it, we almost sort of assume we're in major, I think, by right. some of the tones. And so the second and third chord um, have this lush feeling of almost being from a different key and that's what I love the character of Fee it's difficult and I, I thought it was tastefully done because she behaves kind of like a robot but in a sense she's almost like a spirit or a god right. that lives within your sword and that dichotomy um, you can hear in the music yeah where it's like sure. there's something robotic or mechanical about it but there's also something ancient and uh, like sacred about spiritual. the music well. totally Very spiritual. spiritual well we're going to move on to the last piece of music of the day and it's amazing this is the staff roll from Skyward sword it really feels like everything is culminating into this let's take a listen Guys, thank you so much for joining us as we really dove deep into the score of Zelda Skyward Sword. It was definitely long overdue. Uh, You know, we, as well as maybe some of you, have had mixed feelings over the years on 
uh, on this score. But you know, after listening to the whole thing, um, they did they did a really great job, and there's a lot to love here. It's definitely getting me excited and very curious to hear the direction uh, that we're going to hear very soon in Breath of the Wild. One thing I want to note for those um, of you listening, you might already <laughs> be <laughs> more familiar than we are at the time of recording. Absolutely, we're not able to get a switch right away. But one thing I want to note is that we're actually because this uh, staff roll is seven minutes long, we are going to actually use this as the playout. So um, when we say goodbye, we're going to fade this back up and, and hear, you know, the, the remainder of it. So guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. A couple little things to, to note. Um, at the time of listening to this episode, we had just played our live show um, in Winona. And next week, we're going to have a really fun three-way show-and-tell episode with Will, Marty, and myself. It's going to be a really good palate cleanser from this kind of overly orchestral you know, few weeks that we've had. Um, <laughs> I know the tracks that I am bringing in are, are very different vibes, so I really look forward to that. We've never had a three-part show-and-tell, so I think that's going to be loads of fun. You would almost say the last uh, three weeks are like a trilogy of fantastic yeah. symphonic music. I mean, starting with that Albert Odyssey I guess it's Super Nintendo, but it was just so brilliantly composed. Yeah, so you guys can uh, log on to our website, supermercadobros.com, and find every episode of our podcast as well as our original music. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who's leaving iTunes reviews. You can also like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube, and also be sure to check out uh, the new podcast on the Mercado Brothers Network, Underscore. Yeah, thank you to all of you that have uh, given us a listen. Um, tomorrow will be our third episode, focusing again on the music to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, we've been getting some good feedback from people. We're just excited to keep growing. And um, again, yeah, I'm really excited about additional podcasts being added to this network of ours. Absolutely. Well, guys, we are very excited to, to come back with you next week with a really fun change of pace episode. And we will talk to you then. I think it's about that time. We're going to fade up, listen to some of the rest of this staff roll from Skyward Sword. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.